hey, I realize that you pull back a bit whenever whenever I go to touch you or kiss you in an intimate way. I just want you to know that that we can do that without it leading to sex. And I'm okay with that. And I think it's important that we start doing it without it turning into sex. As much as I want sex, you know, I want us to be connected. Welcome to What I Love About Sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. I'm going to spend this episode discussing the topic of touch and kiss outside of sex and why that's so important and then I'm gonna dive into some 75 hard updates for you guys interested in my journey with that. It is day 72 so we're getting there. So before we dive into that I want to remind you guys that those of you who have my sex meditations and you're a member make sure that you check out the most recent eight meditations that were uploaded the other day. The topics range from working through sexual shame. Um, There are two jerk-off instructions to help you with ED, to help you with early ejaculation. There's an indulging in your fantasies meditation to help you accept your fantasies and not feel bad about them. Abstaining from porn use, being hyper-present with your partner. Um, There's also two pre-sex meditations. One is a little more of like a pump you up meditation and then there's another one that's more relaxing to help you calm your nervous system calm your mind and body so those are up there for those of you who are members of my sex meditations and for those of you interested in becoming a member it's monthly you can cancel anytime so if you want to just try it out for a month go ahead every month I upload new meditations Um, that have to do with your requests. So I am taking all these meditations from the men listening and using their feedback to create more. So check out the sex meditations in the description of this episode. And now let's dive in. All right, where to begin here? You have to touch and kiss your woman outside of sex. And if you're like, well, Steph, she doesn't want me to touch and kiss her. She's been pulling away more often and it's just hard to get to the point of being intimate with her in any way and I don't know what to do. So for the majority of you who are dealing with your woman who's kind of backing away when you go to kiss or touch her is because you've gotten into a habit of attaching kissing and touching to lead to sex or to expect sex. And it's really important that when you kiss and touch, it does not always lead to sex, or it doesn't lead always lead to you trying to have sex. Because so many men get in this habit, and then women feel like they can't respond to the kissing or the touching because they, they're not in the mood, they don't want to have sex at that moment, so they react with a turning away immediately. And then it gets to the point where you're never touching or kissing and then you're hardly having sex at all because there's no touching or kissing to ultimately lead to foreplay and then lead to sex. And this happens with that initial creating an attachment and this this immediate correlation between touching, kissing, and sex or expecting sex. So this is actually teaching your female partner to not accept touch from you in an intimate way because she doesn't want to feel guilty for telling you no or she doesn't want to have to be in this awkward place of feeling like you expect sex. So I want you to break and just ask yourself, have I made kissing and touching to always lead to an urge to have sex or desire to have sex? 
and have always expressed that desire whenever I kissed or touched her? And if the answer is yes, then that means that she's gotten into this habit of connecting those two, and so have you. So now you're both on this in this place where kissing and touching equals leading to foreplay or sex. And then you feel like you can't kiss or touch her because you don't want to be rejected. And she feels like she can't kiss or touch you because she doesn't necessarily want it to lead to sex. So see the dilemma here? It's like you both from the start created this pattern of attaching kissing and touching with an expectation of sex. And it's not your fault. I'm just saying most men will often do this and correlate these two things and only because a lot of men in order to connect they want to have sex first that's the majority of men have that type of desire Um, and a lot of women feel the need to be connected first so this is why even if you're trying to get back and you're like okay I'm, I'm gonna kiss and touch her but like I'm not gonna ask for sex after You're going to go to her and initiate that kiss and touch. But because she's been programmed throughout your relationship to feel like kissing and touching equals sex, she will reject or shut down the, the romantic, intimate kissing and touching out of fear of not being connected enough for the sex. And she may not even realize this. And maybe she does realize it and it's just awkward. And the two of you have never talked about this. So she will just shut you down. And then you feel like you have no way to reopen the door. And she feels probably the same way. She's like, we're not connected. I feel like my needs are not met. But then you're like, I'm trying to connect with you to kiss you and touch you. But in her mind, it's like, I don't want you to kiss me and touch me because that's going to lead to sex and we're not connected enough yet to have sex again. So (laughs) this is what happens with so many heterosexual relationships. And I say it's mostly the guy it's mostly the man in the heterosexual relationship that that feels the need to to expect sex um, with the kissing and touching because he gets he feels immediately connected to her when he does kiss or touch her in an intimate way, and she doesn't. She needs more of the bonding and the um, reassurance that you're that you're a strong couple and like to feel connected more on an emotional level. And I was talking about this on Instagram the other day because I know a lot of men get frustrated about this where they're like, I need sex to feel connected and most women need connection to have sex and that's not fair. Like we're both, why is it that I need to connect first emotionally before having sex and do what's best for what she wants when what I want is to have sex to connect? Like why is it fair that she gets to go first? And the reason it's fair is because if you were to have sex with your female partner who does not feel connected to you, she will not be emotionally present or really enjoying that sex experience with you. She will feel like a sex doll because she's not feeling connected. So it's kind of like you're, you're having sex to feel connected to her, but she feels like her body is just being used in that moment. Right? Like she's just kind of like emotionally disconnected from you. And you don't want to have sex with your partner when she's disconnected from you. That's only going to lead to more disconnect. It's not going to help. So if you look at the perspective of just trusting that, okay, it's, it's better if we connect emotionally before getting back on track with sex. It's better for the both of us because it really is. Like connected sex is much better for you too. And I'm sure that you know as a man that when you're deeply connected with your partner, you the sex is more passionate, it's more fun, you're more present with each other, you're it's it's just you're you're connected, you're actually with each other, right? Versus when she's not paying attention, she's not fully there, it's not going to be fully enjoyable for you. You know, you may be enjoying it to some extent, but you're not, you're not going to enjoy it to the full extent because you'll know that she's not all there. So in order to reconnect on the emotional level, you want to have a talk with her about this and acknowledge that, hey, I realize that you pull back a bit whenever whenever I go to touch you or kiss you in an intimate way. I just want you to know that 
that we can do that without it leading to sex. And I'm okay with that. And I think it's important that we start doing it without it turning into sex. As much as I want sex, you know, I want us to be connected. And then what's very important here is after you say that to her and you communicate that, you have to mean it. You have to go in with touch and kiss and not expecting sex just because you touch and kiss her. You have to reestablish intimacy regularly without it enhancing, all right? Because you got to think about it in levels. If there's no comfortability in the kissing phase, you can't take it all the way. Just as when you first start out in a relationship, you don't necessarily like kiss her and then expect sex, right? It's kind of like the expectation like, okay, I got to wait a little bit. There's got to be some anticipation and trust and build up here. And, you know, hopefully we'll sleep together soon. But I understand that this is a process. It's the same thing in your relationship. Just because you've been married for 30 years doesn't mean that changes. All right, so you have to stand by your word and mean what you say if you let her know, hey, let's do this and I promise I won't have the expectation of sex just when I kiss or touch you. I just want to feel close to you again and I want us to work on this because I feel like if we do work on our intimacy, we will naturally get to a place of wanting to be sexually intimate again. Do you agree with that? What are your thoughts? And then listen to her. Listen to what she has to say because maybe she has things that she needs to work out with you before she can accept touching and kissing. Maybe there's been a conflict that hasn't been resolved that you've both been sweeping under the rug and it doesn't feel right to be intimate physically without addressing that. So this is when you you listen and ask her how she's feeling uh, or ask her how she's feeling and listen so that you know that you're both going to work on this together and brainstorm it together. Like the whole point is the touching and the kissing is going to re-engage her sense of trust and connection with you and feel like sex is more appropriate for the two of you. You're both going to feel like sex is just this natural next step and that's going to help you not feel like you're always putting yourself on the risk of rejection because you'll know that you'll feel so connected that even if she's not in the mood, you won't feel rejected because you're so connected with her. So she's going to reject you less. She's going to feel more comfortable having sex with you. You will end up having sex more often. And even when she's not in the mood, it's not going to feel like a harsh kick in the ass. Like it's going to, it's not going to be something that you dwell on. This is, we're talking about a long-term relationship here where it's getting tricky with your partner not wanting sex and you're trying to understand why. It's because of the loss of connection. So that's why the connection is so important. And it doesn't always go where men need sex to feel connected and women need connection to, to want sex. It's not always that way. There are a lot of you guys who are like, no, I actually need to feel emotionally connected before having sex because I do feel that she's not into the sex when we have it. And I'm not into the sex when we have it if we're not emotionally connected. So there's definitely guys who feel that way and women who are more in the way where sex helps them connect emotionally. I'm one of those women. And Andrew is one of those guys who needs to connect first for us to have, for him to want to have sex with me. So I'm more in the typical male role of the heterosexual relationship Feeling like if I have, if he initiates sex with me, I feel like, okay, we're, we're reconnecting again. Like I, it feels that way for me. But for him, if we're feeling disconnected with something, he will not engage sexually or he'll find reasons to like turn down my sexual advances. And I see it. Like it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And that's typically when we'll have a talk with each other and have an emergency relationship check-in, <laughs> as I call them. We started laughing about it. I'm like, can we have an emergency check-in? Because I can't wait another month to talk about this with you. It's driving me crazy. Like, what's going on with us? We're we're disconnected right now. And just calling out the elephant in the room. Um, and I know that you guys wanted Andrew and I to do a relationship check-in for one of my podcast episodes. And he's down to do it. So... He, I was going to do it for this podcast, but he left for a work trip last minute yesterday or two days ago. He literally came home from work and was like, I'm going to catch a flight in 10 minutes. Is that okay? And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, or yeah, he had to leave in 10 minutes. So it was, yeah, he just 
got up and went. But um, we're going to do a relationship check-in and we're also going to go over the assumptions that you have about us that you shared with me on Instagram, which are pretty funny. So anyway, that will be next week's episode. But going back to this whole thing, just know that there are, I know it can feel like I have to make all the sacrifices and this and that, but it feels that way when you're not paying attention to the sacrifices that she's making too. And I see this all the time. I see this in clients where, for instance, I shared I shared a client's story the other day on Instagram and I said that my client's wife went to him and said, I'm not feeling passion in our relationship lately and I'm not sure why and I don't know what to do. Maybe something's wrong with me. I love you. You're an amazing husband and father, but maybe the passion just fades. Like, I don't know. And she was just really came to him with this confusion, a little bit of frustration. And he was like, he was like, well, I I thought everything was stable about us. And I thought that this was the one thing in my life that was like super stable was our relationship. And and I caught him right there because this is when he came to me and told me that's what happened and that's how he responded. And I said, listen to how you responded. Like you responded from this place of not listening to her and hearing her out, but being defensive right away and assuming, chronic assuming, that she said your relationship is not stable. She didn't say that, right? She never said anything about the relationship not being stable. And he assumed and he reacted with this assumption of defending himself instead of asking her, what is what does passionate mean? Or, hmm, that's interesting. Like, I don't feel like we're lacking passion, but it's, you know, if you do, like, what is what does that mean? Can you tell me, like, what does it mean when we're, what, what do you think is lacking? Or what is in our relationship when it's passionate? What's the difference between us being passionate and not passionate in your eyes? That would be him engaging in the conversation to understand how to bring the passion back as a team, right? And work together on that. Because she's the one that brought it up. She brought up a concern, which is amazing, amazing. And I told him, like, like, don't be upset that she brought this up. That's an incredible thing. It shows she has communication and she has confidence in your relationship to bring up a frustration that she's coming to you with and wants to work through with you, clearly. Right? Like she's asking a lot of questions. She's like, I'm not really sure what this means. Maybe I'm going crazy. I love you. I don't know what to think. You know, so it's kind of like she's putting it out on the table for him to help her out and figure it out with her. And his response was that. And then I told him the stable thing. And she she actually responded to him with that. Like, I'm, I didn't say it wasn't stable. So like she said the same thing that I told him which is the truth. It's not, you could be, you could be in a stable, strong, healthy relationship, guys, and still have moments of frustration or, and still feel disconnected at times. Like Andrew and I have moments of disconnect, like I just shared with you. It doesn't mean that we think we're not healthy or stable. There's, there's a difference, right? It's like, it's understanding that that's the norm. It's very normal for you to go through phases with your partner where there's a moment of disconnect, a few days, a couple weeks. Sometimes a big life event throws you in, throws you a curveball, right? And it, you have a month where you just feel off with your partner. That's normal. As long as you talk about it together, you're good. But so many of us get, so many relationships get scared when things when, when disconnect happens and they're like, oh my God, you know, and they go into panic mode and a lot of people when they go into panic mode, they shut down and they don't communicate because they're like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to bring this up. Maybe they're not even thinking that this is bad. I mean, I feel it, but I'm not going to bring it up because I don't want to call attention to this. Like, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> and like, that's where my client was here. He was like, like the one thing I thought, I thought we were stable and that we're good. Like he was just trying to like cover it up right away. Um, but I was proud of him for talking to her and at least, you know, responding and not shutting it down completely. Um, so it's just, this is a reminder right now for you to know that when disconnect comes up or when sexual frustration comes up, lack of passion comes up, that is normal. That's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's okay. 
as long as it's not for the majority of your relationship, right, then obviously there's a disconnect there that maybe means you're both not compatible to the point where a long-term relationship or exclusive relationship with each other makes sense. But if it's occasional and comes with the twists and turns of life, that's normal. And what you want to do is when that happens, accept it as normal. Be like, oh, okay, here we go. We got a little bump in the road. Let's talk it out together and figure it out. That's the mindset you want to have. Because as long as you're talking and you talk as quickly as you can about it, then you're good. You want to talk about it quickly because the longer you stretch it out and wait and and just wait for her to come to you or you wait to like wait for that because you have a hectic day, like work schedule and you don't want to deal with any other emotional things so you wait another week or two, the harder it will be to get back on track. The harder it will be to reconnect. And this is something my client was doing for a while because he was like, He was like, I just got so much stuff going on with work and she wasn't in the best mood and I just haven't found the right time for this. It didn't feel right this week. And I'm like, it's never going to feel right. It's never going to feel like the perfect time to have a conversation about why passion is lacking in your relationship, right? If you think about it, it's never going to feel like, ah, today's the day that I really want to talk about why passion is not in my relationship and why we're not having sex. Can't wait to do it today. Ah, like that's never going to be the feeling. So you have to accept that A, we got to do this as quickly as possible when these moments come up, especially when your partner calls it out. Like you want to address it as soon as you can. Um, And B, understand that it's normal, right? Like don't panic about it. Go in, like share with your partner the fact that, okay, this is is all right that we're feeling this way. Like don't beat yourself up. Um, I'm not going to beat myself up. Let's figure this out together. Let's see what we're missing and how we can, what it would look like if we got it back and then get on track with that, right? And then C, understand that this check-in with each other does not have to be a long, emotional, drawn-out conversation. And so many of you guys panic about these check-ins or these talks about the the lack of passion or the little bump in the road or the big bump in the road, right? And you panic and then you assume that it's going to be this whole daunting thing and that that's what makes you actually avoid it and keep putting it off. So understand it can be a 10-minute conversation, okay? Me and Andrew hit a bump, Andrew and I, hit a bump in the road, you know, of disconnect a couple weeks ago and I noticed it. Because I notice it usually before he does, being that I I think I'm better at reading body language and emotion. And I think he'd agree with me. <laughs> um, not to brag. <laughs> no, but I noticed it because the signs I see in him when he's disconnected is he, when he's sexually disconnected, is he will make less eye contact with me. That's a huge one less eye contact. It's like so obvious to me. (laughs) It's like night and day. Um, Less eye contact overall. He will make less sexual jokes. He will not initiate sex. That just 100% will not happen. If I initiate, he'll, he won't act totally into it or he'll in a way kind of shut it down. He will not kiss me as passionately He will not touch me as much. Like he's very touchy when he feels very connected. So these are all obvious signs to me of my partner being distant. And I don't feel gung-ho about having the conversation with him to figure out what the fuck is going on. You know, it's not fun for me. I get, I have more of a history of anxious tendencies, um, anxious avoidant. So what happens with me is I will get, really anxious and then if I get anxious and stay in the anxiety for too long around oh my god what is what is he doing why is he not touching me what's gonna happen is he gonna break up with me those thoughts start coming in if I wait too long and then if I wait longer then I become avoidant and then we're both avoidant of each other which means that we're more silent throughout the house um we give less give more like one word answers when we when we talk we both lack eye contact with each other um it's just a very 
off feeling where it gets and that's definitely when it gets harder to have a conversation so see there's like this it transitions um it it just gets harder and harder like if I notice it and I'm still in in this place where I'm like okay I got this I need to talk to him then that's that's like the day I notice it and I ask him hey can we have a talk that's when we handle it the fastest and then we do we handle it every time but it's like easiest for me to do it right in that moment it's like okay stuff rip off the band-aid like you don't want to have this conversation it's not fun but let's do it before you get into the anxious place or the avoidant place right and if I wait too long if I wait a few days then I'm becoming anxious and then it gets harder to have the conversation because I'm like my anxious thoughts have built up and I'm like oh my god like maybe this is Maybe this is really bad. He's not even addressing it first. Oh my God, what's going to happen with us? Oh my God, what, what could it be? And then I try to play the guessing game. And then if I wait longer, then and I get into the avoidant place for me, then it's like I'm shut down and I'm feeling really sad and I'm noticing him. We're both kind of turning away from each other, which makes it even harder to have this conversation. So that's why you want to catch it immediately. And you want to understand that, all right, this doesn't have to be some crazy conversation that's going to be dramatic and emotional. I just have to sit my partner down and see what the hell's going on between us and how we can fix it. That's it. And it's simple. It's not easy, right? Because it's emotional. It it is emotional. It is. You do have fear going into it if you're the one who doesn't fully understand what's happening. Like me, like the day that I catch it, it's not like I'm like, like I said, I'm not gung-ho about it to sit him down. That's <laughs> such a weird phrase. I've never used that phrase before in my life except for right now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not excited to sit him down, but I know if I catch it immediately, it will be most effective and it will be easiest. So that's what I did last two weeks ago or whatever, whenever this happened. Um, and we sat down and we had a conversation that literally lasted 10 minutes and I got answers that I needed that I was not aware of. He he acknowledged me for him being avoidant. And I and he said, you know, like sometimes it's just hard for me to I, I just have this natural feeling of not wanting to bring it up because because, um, you know, it's just like one of those conversations that I I put off a little bit you know and he doesn't he doesn't always do this like we have a monthly check-in right but but if something's sometimes he'll he'll do this but he acknowledges it so he's like I'm glad you brought this up here's what's going on here's how I'm feeling about this here's what I think could help moving forward and I said okay I think this could help moving forward and then we come to an agreement and then we both commit to those things moving forward and then we are back on track it it's really as simple as that And we end with a kiss and we get to work on those action steps that we told each other we would take. We do them. We follow through with our word. And it shows that we respect each other and we respect our relationship and our sexual intimacy because we know it's important to both of us. So when we fall off track with it, neither of us feels good about that. And the only way to feel better is to come together and figure out a plan together to not make assumptions and to not... And he is never the one, he's never telling me, oh, well, Steph, this is what we have to do, or this is what you have to do. And I'm not telling him, here's what you have to do, and here's what I have to do. We are collaborating. It's like a brainstorm session of, here's how I'm feeling, here's what I think could help. What are you feeling? What do you think could help? How can we merge these ideas to come up with a couple actions to change so that we can get our sex life back, and so that we can feel connected again? And that's how it goes. And I was telling the same client this that I, was, I mentioned earlier. Don't assume that you have to be the one to just fix this and give her a solution. The last thing she wants to hear is you saying, okay, well, here's what, here's what we're going to do to be more passionate. I'm just going to do this. Like, that's the last thing you want to do. Don't assume you know what passion means. Because you don't know what it means to her unless you've asked her. And in this case, my client responded with, I thought we were stable because he didn't know what the fuck she was talking about when she said our passion is gone. And instead of asking her, what does passion mean to you? He got, he got scared and he went into a defense reaction, which was, I thought we were stable. What's wrong? Like he didn't lean in with curiosity, which is actually what's going to help him brainstorm with her 
and come up with a solution to solve the problem. So it's so important you don't assume. You don't take on the responsibility as a man of solving the problem. You just don't. Do not do that. It's one thing to be the man in the relationship who is decisive, the decisive one, and she leans on you for that decisiveness and she finds it attractive and you take the lead. But you can do that and still not assume and still not come up with all the solutions for your conflicts in your relationship. And it's important that you understand that difference. Okay? So for me and my relationship with Andrew, and we have our faults too, you know, like, I mean, I'm sharing our faults with you where we need these check-ins. So I'm not saying that we're perfect or that he's perfect, but what I see in him that I really admire and respect and find really sexy is that he is, he knows when to be decisive and when to not. Like in our relationship check-ins, he understands that we have to figure out actions together. And he asks me questions and he listens to my, my answers. Like really puts my answers into consideration with how we can move forward. He doesn't just take the lead and say, okay, here's what we're going to do, babe. He's like, well, how are you feeling? Because I won't know what to do unless I know how you're feeling. And that's the truth. He won't know. He can take the lead all he wants, but he will never know what something means. If he doesn't know what the situation means to me, then his solution that he assumes and comes up with himself will not resonate with me. And it will make me pull away. It will make me resent him. It will disconnect us even further, right? So when it comes to emotional connection and sexual connection, the decisiveness and taking the lead as a man has to be you saying, all right, babe, let's figure this out together. How are you feeling about this? Okay, so what do you want to do moving forward? That's a man who's decisive in the emotional conversation, taking the lead. And we, like I said, we do it together. There's no one really taking the lead. If anything, sometimes, uh, most of the time, I'm taking the lead on initiating these conversations because like I said, I read body language better. But in to be decisive outside of that is, is him, for instance, making our, booking our Airbnb for travel plans. Like he just does that. And I love that he does that. And he'll book restaurants. And I love that he does that. And he, if I've, you know, especially if I've had a long day and we're trying to decide, usually it's around food. (laughs) We were talking about this the other day. We're like, it's almost always around food where the decision, like his decisiveness helps me out so much and I love it. Um, But even when it comes to watching TV, like if I've had a long day, I don't want to decide what we're going to watch at the very end of the day if, if we're having one of those nights. I'm just like, babe, can you please just pick? I don't care. Like, I don't want to make another decision. And it really does get to that point where I'm like, my brain cannot. I just don't want to handle another decision. And I like that he just does, chooses things. He chooses the dinner. He chooses the TV. He chooses, you know, what we buy to take care of X problem. Um, So things like that. But when it comes to the emotional part of our relationship and us, when it has to do with us connecting as a team, He is not the one who's making all the decisions because that would not work. Make sense? I hope that makes sense. This is more of an advanced podcast episode, I feel. This is for like advanced communication. Um, If I was to create an advanced communication course, this this would be it. (laughs) Like this, this topic. So if you're a beginner and you're feeling overwhelmed right now, know that this is stuff that, you know, maybe you you have to get to at one point in your relationship and you're not quite there yet. But understanding this still as a beginner, still feeling far away from this, just gives you good insight as to where you want to shoot for. You know, to the basic understanding here is knowing that you have to brainstorm your relationship struggles as a team together. All right. You have to do it together. You can't assume that you know what the solution is and run with it. That will not work. It almost never works. And John Gottman, I know I've mentioned this, I probably mentioned this a bunch of times already, but it's so important and I think it's so inspiring um, to know that the majority of the couples who have made it long term 
the most successful long-term relationships based on study after study that he's done. It's not that they have less conflict. It's that they solve the conflict quickly and efficiently. So that's the difference between long-term successful relationships and marriages, because he's a marriage counselor um, who does a ton of research on marriages and the su- and successful relationships. So he says it's not like they fight less. It's not like they have less conflict. It's how quickly they they dissolve, how quickly and efficiently they dissolve the conflict. So going back to the client that I keep mentioning is I told him, make sure you ask her, what does passion mean to you? What do you mean by passion? Like, what does our relationship look like when we're passionate together? Let's try to figure this out. And this isn't just a question that he just throws at her, but he he gives it to her and he also has to brainstorm it. Like I said, you're in this together, right? She took the initiative to bring up this problem, which is great because that means she's not avoiding it. She's bringing it up to him to talk about it. And now it's his turn to stay engaged with what she brought up so that he could help her figure it out. And they work as a team to figure it out. And I, I told him, ask her what passion means, because that's what we need to know. That's the most important thing. And he did put it off for a few days because of people in town or whatnot. So he had the natural tendency to put it off, right? And then it got a little harder. Um, but then she scheduled a date night for the two of them that was different from their usual date night. They go on a date every week. And she introduced a new idea to go dancing. He wasn't a huge fan, but he thought to himself, you know what? Like, she's feeling disconnected from me. I've, we have been doing the same thing. Like, why don't we, yeah, let's, let's do it. And he agreed to go with her. And when they went out to dinner first, they brought up their relationship and they got a little argumentative or frustrated. And she gave him a way out, like a loving way out to not go dancing anymore. And she said, look, I know like we're, we're a little like heated right now or after this conversation, maybe you don't want to go anymore. That's OK. You can go home and I'll go or we don't have to go. I forget what she said, but but he was like, no, let's go. Let's do it. And he he stayed with her like even after this hard conversation where he could have left and shut down and just went home and been like, all right, I'm not even going to stay open for more of this type of conversation tonight. I'm just she gave me a way out. Let me take it. He stayed with her because he knows that there's a a disconnect and they got to figure it out. And he knows it was important to her to, to go dancing. And he also knows that it's important to create some newness in their relationship because he's been so focused on work and has not been prioritizing um, his marriage as much as he would like to because of the, the current work focus that he needs to have. Like there's something big going on with with what he has to deal with right now. So so he's making she's been making the sacrifice of feeling you know, disconnected with him being so involved in work right now. And now it's time for him to make somewhat of a sacrifice. I say sacrifice because it's like he didn't take the easy way out. This was the harder route. Um, so he understood that and he went with her and they had a great time. And when they got home, they things actually got emotional because she asked him a question in a very loving way. And he felt like, The way that she looked at him, he just felt like he could open up to her because they had such a connected night. And he opened up about his frustrations and what was going on. And then she opened up even more. And they had this amazing conversation, which led to hot, freaky sex. (laughs) Not so freaky, but like very passionate, very, I mean, it's she was talking about it for days after so it seemed like she understood and they both understood and came to an agreement of what was missing and it was moments like that it was what was missing like in terms of losing passion it was it was not feeling she wasn't feeling connected like or prioritized but that night she did because he didn't put work first he didn't put his comfort first he put her first And it's been a while since she felt that, it seemed. So she was so turned on by the time they had these conversations and talked everything out 
because it was this sigh of relief and so did he. And they had amazing sex because they both felt relief. They both finally understood what was going on because they talked about it. They leaned towards each other no matter how hard things were. And they came to a conclusion together to understand what the passion meant and what they needed to do more of to keep the passion with each other. And I'm sure they'll get even clearer around this in terms of like defining it, but they were never so vulnerable or I don't know when the last time they were this vulnerable with each other. And he was just like, it was crazy. It was just so like emotional, but then the sex was so passionate and crazy and like fun. And we did it three times in like this amount of time, (laughs) like, which is not normal for them. So it just goes to show what leaning towards your partner does understanding that they're making sacrifices and you also have to meet them halfway because you're a team. There's not one person doing everything. You're doing it together. You're figuring it out together. You're answering, you're getting curious together. You're answering questions together. And then you're having sex together because you do all that. All those points of connection and understanding lead to hot, fulfilling sex. When you stay with your partner and you don't shy away and you don't avoid and you don't run, you don't shut down. And if you are the runner and they catch you and they're like, hey, let, let's sit down and do this, then you do it and you do it ASAP. And know that when you do it ASAP, the light is right there at the end of the tunnel because you're right there to handle things. When you have, when you have two partners willing to talk it out, that's everything. That's really all you need is willingness from both sides. And there are things you can do to help you get willing, to help each other get more willing. But that's another That's another episode. I'm already stretching this one out a bit. But anyway, I was super proud of my client and also very just as proud of his wife because of how much effort she put in as well to not sweep this under the rug and to not turn into this woman who's shutting down sex all the time because she felt disconnected. She brought it up to him as hard and uncomfortable as it was to the point where she was even feeling guilty and she's like, maybe something's wrong with me. Like she wasn't even blaming him. She was like, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know what to do. And she went to her man with this concern to, to work with him on it. She didn't expect him to have the answer. She didn't say, give me answer. She's, she wanted to talk with him. And, and then he was willing to talk with her. So they did. And they got conclusion. And they found solution together. And... They had hot sex together and they've been in a great, all weekend, all that weekend they had sex every day. <laughs> like I haven't talked to him uh, since then. So I don't know how, how things have played out since, but it was just such an amazing storyline of showing you the importance of leaning towards, leaning towards your partner, even when you want to turn away because it's uncomfortable. Whew, okay, so. If you feel like you're in the place of leaning away or you feel like you're disconnected from yourself sexually and you don't really understand why your libido is so low or you don't understand how to bring real pleasure into your relationship, then definitely check out my sex meditations because I made these to help you guys work through issues you're dealing with like recovering from shame around sex, um, abstaining from porn, being more present with your partner, learning how to edge so you could get to the point of not early ejaculating with your partner. And all of these meditations will help you rewire your brain so that you can have more fulfilling, passionate, pleasurable sex. So check out my sex meditations in the description of this episode and enjoy them. So now I'm going to transition topics and talk about my 75 hard experience just for a bit. I am on day 72 Woo! Which means that my fake boob explant is ah, on day 76. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I really feel like I did the best for my body possible to prepare for me being the healthiest for surgery. And that was the point for me doing 75 hard personally. You know, I have a lot of people ask me, what are your numbers? Are you tracking your muscle and your body fat and your weight? And I'm not. I'm not tracking any of that because for me, it doesn't make sense based on my intention for 75 hard, which is just to get healthy for surgery and be in the best shape I possibly can be while managing my pain and my inflammation. So no, it wouldn't make sense to be on the scale 
and be inflamed one day and gain some weight and then the next day I lose weight like it just wouldn't make sense so there's no tracking numbers with me and in terms of muscle I'm curious to see where I am muscle wise but whatever I just I can't judge myself right now I've been doing yoga every day so every day has been in the beginning I was doing a a little strength training but as I've gotten you know been dealing with inflammation and the pain has kicked back in I'm like you know what I my body just can't handle um, it's just not right for me to to put my body through weight training at this time when I'm just so sensitive and so inflamed so I've been doing yoga which is definitely a workout and definitely still a commitment that I've been hyper disciplined with every day and then I do the walk outside so that's what my 75 hard has looked like for me along with the reading, the picture, the gallon of water, um, no alcohol, no junk food, no sugar, and taking all my supplements for my detoxing, no gluten, no dairy, no high sodium, no soy. (laughs) Then there's a list of healthy foods for my food allergy test that I got back that I can't eat because apparently my body hates them. So like even bananas, which are my favorite food that I would eat on a daily basis, they're on my negative list, which made me so sad. Guys, I almost cried because my nutritionist was like, I'm sorry, you have to cut out bananas. (laughs) I'm like, no. I remember I was texting Andrew and he was like he was so sad for me too because he just knows how much I love my bananas but yeah so even broccoli bananas you know a ton of healthy stuff in my body is just not processing and handling right right now so I had to also take those off so yeah this this time doing 75 hard has been more of an emotional journey than a physical one I felt like When I did it last time, I was just pushing myself really hard physically to where my body was sore every day. Like my muscles were sore from doing the workouts. And I was like, oh man, let's go. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Like it was more like this excitement and physical, like physically really pushing myself and pushing my muscle mass. And this time around, it's more mental and emotional because I've been dealing with breast implant illness and the pain and the inflammation that has come with it especially within the last eight months. So it's cutting out so many foods. Like I said, even healthy foods that I would be eating on 75 hard, I have to cut out because my body is just having such a hard time right now. And that leads to my mind having a hard time, you know, and feeling like I can't even eat bananas. Like what the fuck has life come to? And having those moments where I'm feeling bad for myself and then having to catch it and be like, all right, like you're going to come out of this. You're going to get back and your body is going to heal great and with surgeries in a few days like you got this so it's definitely been more of that that uh, mental and emotional battle that 75 hard has helped help me fight so much and that's why in a way it kind of feels like 75 hard has not been difficult for me it's been a lifesaver for me so I you know I kind of like the fact that it's given me these limitations and that I'm using it for for a reason too. Like I need these limits on me so that I can be healthiest for surgery and get the best recovery. So it really has felt like it's been such a huge support to my life and I'm in no way feeling like, oh, when is this going to be done? What I'm excited for it to be done because day 76 is my explant surgery where I'm getting these fake boobs taken out. So that's why I'm really excited, but I'm not necessarily excited to stop the program um, because it's not like I'm going to be able to eat whatever I want once my boobs are out. It's going to be a slow healing process that could take months or up to a year. And being that I'm on a detox supplement or supplements and in different phases, I'm going to enter phase two after, as soon as the implants come out. Um, I won't have to take as long to heal as if I was to naturally let my body heal. So I will heal overall much quicker because I'm on the detox supplement program and I'm already starting to detox my body. So that's that also causes some symptoms and it's causing a lot of constipation again, which my nutritionist is really on top of. And, sh- you know, we're trying to make sure that before surgery, everything's flowing so that the anesthesia will 
because we know the anesthesia will also increase constipation. So it's important to get things moving. So yeah, there's just every day is like a new thing. I'm just like, oh my God. And, um, and 75 hard has been that thing where it's just like, oh, it's just had my back. I feel like it's been my friend throughout this whole thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to miss it. <laughs> like, and I know that there's phases of 75 hard, so it continues. Um, and I think that there's, I have to look into it because I've never continued past 75 days, but I know that, I mean, obviously surgery day, I have to come to a, a full stop with with the workouts I probably won't even get out of bed the whole day and then the next day I definitely want to get out of bed and start moving but yeah so probably take a little break and then continue my detox program where for the next maybe three months I will after three months or so I'll slowly start introducing my favorite foods like maybe have a slice of pizza three months after surgery and see if my body can can readapt and handle things again and see if my gut can rebuild itself so that's really what we're doing here. And um, yeah, it's just been a crazy, crazy experience. But I am ready to heal. Super excited to heal. I have so much support, including support from you guys. So I really appreciate you, all of you guys who've reached out on Instagram or email. Um, it's just meant a lot to me. So thank you so much. Send me positive vibes for surgery because it's coming up in a few days. And yeah, I'm definitely nervous, but more excited than nervous because I just can't wait. And I keep visualizing what, how I'm going to heal and I'm visualizing the surgery going well and I'm visualizing me just, ugh, just feeling so much better so quickly. And yeah, definitely keep that, keeping that top of mind. So anyway, guys, that is my update and I hope you enjoyed this lesson that like I said was a bit of an advanced communication lesson but I think it can also teach a lot to you who feel like beginners and for those of you who are interested in doing 75 hard I say do it and I also say have a purpose for doing it even if that purpose is I'm doing this to prove that I can commit to my word or I'm doing this to show myself how mentally and physically strong I can be when I really put effort into it. Those are more my intentions for when I did it a few years ago versus this intention was different, right? This intention was just about be my healthiest I could be and most committed to my health before surgery so that I can have the best healing process. Just have some form of uh, intention and you will be so much more likely to follow through with the program and to have it have meaning for you. So make it mean something and you're going to stick with it. And I will cheer you on. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.